Welcome to Science at Work, a new podcast from Savannah River National Laboratory in Aiken, South Carolina. You might not know very much or even anything about what a national lab is or what it does. We aim to change that with stories about how we put science to work, as our motto goes, interviewing the scientists, engineers, and other talented people who are at the heart of who we are, what we do, and why it matters. I'm your host, Mike Edelmeyer. Science at Work is a production of the Savannah River National Laboratory, SRNL, Office of Communications. First, a little history. An outgrowth of immense investment in scientific research by the U.S. government during World War II, the national laboratories have served as the leading institutions for scientific innovation in the United States for more than 70 years. We tackle critical scientific challenges and and possess unique instruments and facilities, many of which are found nowhere else in the world. During the Second World War, the Manhattan Project created several secret sites for the purpose of bomb research and material development, including a laboratory in the mountains of New Mexico, Los Alamos, directed by Robert Oppenheimer. Now, you may have seen the movie Oppenheimer last summer. These sites were the beginnings of the National Laboratories. This year is particularly special for Savannah River National Laboratory. It marks 20 years since we were designated a national lab by the Department of Energy in 2004. However, the very beginnings of the lab stretch back to the Cold War in the 1950s. We have a rich history, which we'll touch on today and in future episodes. Each month, we'll discuss how SRNL puts science to work to help protect our environment, serve our national defense, secure our clean energy future, and reduce emerging nuclear threats. Whenever possible, We'll present the research in more general terms so non-scientists among us, myself included, understand it and how it might have relevance in our lives. You might not know that the national labs have contributed to the discovery of more than 20 elements on the periodic table, including one that revolutionized the field of medical imaging and another that is widely used in smoke detectors. There are many other examples of how national labs have contributed to science and innovation in the United States and beyond. If you are listening now, you could be a scientist or engineer. You might work at SRNL or one of the 16 other national labs. You could have no connection to the lab but have an interest in science. Whatever brought you here, we hope to keep you interested in our research and invite you to come back for more insights into Savannah River National Laboratory. Our first guest is Sean Noble, a chemical engineer at SRNL. Sean recently highlighted his work and was awarded best presentation in the environmental resilience category at the National Research Slam on November 15th in Washington, DC. Sean and representatives from the other 16 national laboratories gave compelling three minute presentations of their research in a language appropriate to a lay audience. Sean's presentation explained how his research in advanced computer modeling increased safety and productivity while reducing costs associated with the mixing and transporting of liquid waste. Sean, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, for this, I'm going to need a bit of um, audience participation to really get me in the mood of my talk. That sounds good. Okay. By a show of hands, who likes smoothies? Yeah, me. Me too. I love love smoothies. Strawberry, mango smoothies. So good. My problem with smoothies, though, is that they're hard to make. You know, you 
add too much ice in it, it really doesn't mix right. Or you add too much of the liquid in it, it just kind of turns into cold juice. And you try to pour the smoothie out of the blender and it really just kind of plops everywhere. gets messy. It's just difficult, you know? Well, the liquid waste at the Savannah River site, it's a lot like a smoothie. It's a thick slurry. Okay, well, well, it is a bit more dangerous than a smoothie (laughs) because it is radioactive liquid waste. So let's call it um, a danger smoothie. There are 34 million gallons of liquid waste stored at the Savannah River site in massive underground tanks. This waste is primarily a byproduct of the processing of nuclear materials um, as far back as World War II in the 1950s. The goal of the Savannah River site is to remediate this liquid waste and to reduce the environmental risk that it poses. This is, while in liquid form, the waste poses the threat of leaching into the environment and causing harm. So there's a need to change waste from a liquid into a solid that's much more stable and able to be stored long term. This is done through a process called vitrification, wherein the liquid waste is turned into a glass form stored into large canisters and placed underground long term. But during this process, there are very um, you know, difficult problems that occur that there's no quick or cost effective way to address. But my research using advanced computer modeling is able to address these problems in a way that is quick and cost effective. This is because the simulations can be done by a small team in their computers over the course of weeks or even days, depending on the complexity of the simulations. For example, there's a tank at the Savannah River site used to mix liquid waste with silica, a glass forming particle, in the preparation of the vitrification of that waste, turning it into glass. But during this process, there occurred um, an issue where the impeller blade fell off. And the quality of seven canisters of liquid waste was in question. So my team and I were able to perform simulations of the mixing vessel with the missing impeller blade. And we were able to determine that the waste was indeed well mixed before being turned into glass. And that those seven canisters would meet the set safety and quality standards. So overall, my research increases safety, increases productivity, and it saves money. So the next time you want to make a smoothie, try computer modeling. Thanks for for being with us, Sean, and for educating us about your research at SRNL. And I I love smoothies, so that that was an apt uh, um, description um, and a danger smoothie that uh, I don't think I would order one of those. No. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations again, too, on the win in the National Research Slam. That's really good stuff. Thank you. It It was a great experience, and I enjoyed it. Great. Our next guest is Susie Ferrara, manager of the Cold War Preservation Program at Savannah River Site. She has unique knowledge of SRNL, having worked at the Savannah River Site, where SRNL was located, and with the lab for more than 35 years. Susie's father worked at SRNL managing the Equipment Engineering Group, but she can tell you more about that, her connection to SRNL, and her experiences working here. Susie, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's so good here to be with you. I'm excited about a podcast. I've never been yeah. on one, so yeah, it's great this to is see an you honor. again and, and to you. have you here. Thank you. Yeah. So I've got a few questions for you, and we can see where where this takes okay. us. Okay. Um, Terrific. So, how did you end up working here at the Savannah River site and with Savannah River National Laboratory? Well, actually, the Savannah River site was not my first choice of employment. Um, having a dad that worked uh, at the site for about 48 years. 
Um, I said I was never going to go work at the bomb plant. Um, a graduate of the University of South Carolina in Columbia, majoring in journalism and theater. Um, I think I had my eyes set more on a bigger city landscape. You know, I think I was a little wooed by ABC, NBC News, you know, that whole thing. And then, you know, reality kind of hits a little bit. And I started interviewing around like um, Coca-Cola in Atlanta. I had actually done an internship, my college internship at Walt Disney World. So uh, that was great from the marketing and the sales point of view. But um, I couldn't dance down Main Street because I was too tall. Um, I was too tall for many, too tall for, for Mickey. Um, and so being cast as a chipmunk for my future really didn't bow well with my parents that, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to get a real job, kid. And that's what happened. Um, I was actually on my way back to graduate school. Um, you know, my dad said, why don't you apply at the plant? No, no, no. But I went ahead and just kind of sent it in anyway. And uh, got a call for an interview, and it was like crossfire because DuPont Public Affairs was wrapping up. They were a very small team, maybe three. They had you know the newspaper and, and two managers. Then they had uh, Westinghouse coming in, which was going to do a full-scale public affairs because the plant was so secret. You know, they, they were planning tours and things that we do now today, you know, podcast, you know, all this stuff. And uh, so I interviewed with both the public affairs manager for DuPont and Westinghouse, and it was like crossfire. You know, well, you're a local kid. We know what we do, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of a hurried interview because the Washington Post was coming in, the New York Times. I mean, it was a big time of this change. And then they're like, yeah, thanks. Nice interview. Bye. And I went home and and dad came home from work and I'm sitting on the front steps. He goes, what would you think? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to graduate school, dad. It didn't turn out well. But long story short, as it goes, got a phone call from the lady I was going to report to, Linda Walter. And she was kind of direct. She goes, are you going to come work for us or what? And I'm like, lady, I don't know who you are. So... (laughs) Uh, Ironically, Dad had to walk across the street from Emory. I get the the hiring letter, and the rest is history. You know, 35 years in a blink, and I'm, you know, I'm still having fun. It goes by fast. Yes, it it? does, yeah. So I was going to ask you, so what did you study when you were in school? But I think you you definitely touched on that, journalism. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I loved broadcast. Um, You know, I loved it, but, God, we had a grouchy old TV uh, uh, I think I was more scared of them, but I enjoyed the writing aspect of it. So I yeah. knew the broadcast really wasn't going to scratch that itch. So public affairs to me was the best of both worlds, you know, when you right. when you work on those campaigns. And I felt like that used a lot of my 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 tools. And, and that's what I've always enjoyed working here at the Savannah River site, that even working in communications is, you know, I was blessed to work uh, giving tours. You know, Donna Hood Hallman and I started the tours program and then, oh she can she can walk and talk and chew gum and I started out with writing and then media relations and uh, governmental affairs so very blessed to mm-hmm. move around our genre but mm-hmm. didn't have to leave you know Aiken you yeah. know as a, as a native and yeah. then even now today you know I did a stint in training with our nuclear operator training program and you, you learn a lot about the field you learn a lot about what the the line needs and and that human resource aspect but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, just to have the opportunity to do the Cold War History program was just, it's its its a blessing. It's really an honor because a yeah. lot of the, the parents I grew up with, you know, the dads, we didn't know what they did, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because I grew up at Fermata Club, swimming on swim team, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it was traffic. You knew that yeah. dad, was, dad left the house at 6, got home at 5. You know, you knew all these, the dads, but you didn't know what they did. Right. And it then was when very you, mysterious. It was. I mean, yeah. and, and they didn't talk about what they did you know where do you work savannah river plant mm-hmm. i work at the plant you know never knew what any of them did so it's neat to come out and work here because mm-hmm. then you're like that's dr todd crawford oh my god he's a, you know he's a scientist he's a researcher you know all uh gene Ferracy, longtime mm-hmm. lab employee yeah. uh he's the same way all these all these people were doing one-of-a-kind work protecting the security of our nation, and they're in our backyard. I mean, our kids, we didn't know. We didn't know. And it's really neat to be an employee and to know all these people because you're like, wow, you know, we really met the true Cold War warriors. I mean, these were the people that got the job done, and we had no no idea whatsoever. So it's kind of of neat to be in the position now that I can see all that. So, so tell us about your dad. You mentioned your dad a little yeah. bit and, and the work he did here at SRNL. Yeah. So uh, dad, uh, gosh, you know, of all the people in my family, we're all type, type A personalities, and my dad's not. Mechanical engineer by trade. So I, I got to back you up a little bit to tell you how we got here. Sure. So um, my dad went to the University of Connecticut, uh, started to work at the Argonne, and uh, was working with my uncle, who was a chemist in the lab. So the family joke goes is my uncle brought my dad or my dad home to meet the family and, you know, my mom. And they said, well, dad never left for dinner because, you know, he married mom and the rest is history. So um, they he got the job at Savannah River plant. And so they got married. You know, here's mom out of Joliet, Chicago and dad's out of, uh, you know, Connecticut. And they uh, land here in Aiken, South Carolina. And my mom's like, I didn't know what a cockroach was. Of all the places. Of all the places. They could have ended up. Oh, yeah. Right. And he said, oh, don't worry, Sally. We only have a couple of kids. We'll only be here a couple of years. Well, 54 plus years later, five kids right. and things of that nature. So I didn't know what dad really did. I can tell you the memories. And I was I kind of when we had you said, hey, come on, let's go talk on the podcast. Um, I called my sister, uh, Nancy. She's not been on the site. So hopefully mm-hmm. I'll get her out. And um you know, I said, what are my early, uh, you know, what did I really think about the site early on or the plant? I was scared to death of it because I remember I had to drive his Buick to pick me, you know, pick him up at work. And we were driving to Columbia back to school. And I was like, Dad, Dad, you better be out by that gate. I don't want to get shot. I don't want these people, you know. And he's like, Susie, it's the National Lab. I, You know, just pull up over here and everything. But um, the other early memory as I kid is I remember when they had the first family day and I remember oh. going into the lab and it was the time they had the first dot matrix printer and that was re- a few years ago it was a bit, and it was such a big deal because they were all like oh and they were printing out like Snoopy and I was a big Snoopy fan so I, I'm sure somewhere I've got Snoopy but it was the dot matrix printer from, yes. the, from the lab. So, uh, so yeah. So, cool. um, yeah. So he never just said, he goes, yeah, I'm over at the lab. Just pull over here. So glad I didn't get arrested. But, you know, now that you work here, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, you know, it was, it was the site. You know, it was the plant. Yeah, yeah. Don't speed. Don't go where you're not supposed to be. You know, it was yeah. that, that, that 
that veil of secrecy, you know, mm-hmm. right in our backyard. So, you know, you knew the one thing you knew when growing up is you didn't speed di- uh, down 125 and you didn't stop on Highway 125 because right. you didn't know it was going to come out of the woods and get you kind of thing. Right. Well, and this place can be intimidating. It's a serious it place. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Serious work. But we have fun, too. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. What what stands out to you in terms of uh, what SRNL has added to the network of national labs uh, during the last 20 years? We're, you know, we're celebrating our 20th yeah. anniversary. And uh, what stands out to you? Well, you know, it's the people. Um, I know when I used to do public tours, I say it even today, is that really the national lab is a brain trust. It's a brilliant minds, honestly, talented people that, you know, historically, the plant came to them and said, hey, can you fix this? Or here's an apparatus. Can the glass blowers, you know, design it? You know, our high-level caves and how it's just all tied in that scientific brains that fixed it. But the contributions, like Dr. Uh, Jim Kronberg, uh, mm-hmm. who used to be in the basement, I used to get so tickled going by his office with the McDonald's sign, and it was like 100 million uh, patents served. And I'll never forget Jim Kronberg coming out of uh, 3700 one day, and he had a mannequin arm tucked under his arm. I thought, what in the world? This man's got a mannequin. And I said, Doc, Doc, what you doing now? And he was uh, instrumental in the bone welder you know, for healing bones and stuff. So the contributions of the national lab on a national scale is just limitless. And, and I think it's the, the, the gem and the crown of the Savannah river site that, you know, may not be front and center, but it's because they do such important work. I mean, look what they did with nine 11, you know, they got the call, they responded, they, they got up there, got the equipment, started looking and, and, and assisting there. Um, just the research is just, you know, it stands out and, you know, I'm glad they finally determined, uh, I think Lindsey Graham was instrumental in that. Senator Graham is getting us a national lab status. I think we were national before you got the title. Um, so a lot of unsung heroes and heroines, but, um, Never a dull moment. Um, like I said, in the curation facility, we have the early robots. And, yes. you know, that technology that they're using now. I mean, if you've got a little robot that's a little vacuum cleaner running around in your your house, let me tell you something. A lot of that came early on from a lot of brilliant minds. That's right. And, uh, you know, I always tell folks, you know, this isn't stuff you look up online. You know, these are brilliant people that sat down with pen and paper and made it happen. And so no challenge, you know, there's, there was never a no, you know, and that's what it is. I mean, the same thing, the other thing that stands out with the National Lab was uh, Carol Jansen, Dr. Jansen, making up that glass waste mixture mm-hmm. for the Defense Waste Processing Facility. And she's, she's here. She lives in Aiken. She's teaching at the university. I mean, these are yeah, the, your neighbors right? are doing this kind of science. I mean, who knew? Who yeah. knew? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So a lot of people ask about carpools, um, especially our young employees. And, and I always like to talk a little bit about the employee culture. 
And a lot of that comes with the carpools. And uh, one thing I always remember with dad is, you know, his carpool was on time every day. You know, they never missed it. Rain, shine. I know when there was a snowstorm, he got, you know, picked up by a Jeep. Then off the work they went. Well, I can remember one afternoon, quite the excitement in the household is that one of the men in the uh, carpool's wife was the top seller for Mary Kay Cosmetics. And if you know anything about Mary Kay, if you're the top seller, you get a pink Cadillac. So well, no, no pink Jeep. No pink Jeep. Case. Nope, okay. nope. Right. That was just a standard rugged, uh, rugged manly man Jeep. But then one morning in front of our house rolls up a hot pink Cadillac. And all the men in the carpool, needless to say, were not impressed, but they had to get to work. And then that afternoon, it was quite the discussion that uh, they had to, they were seen going to work. And then it was quite the scuttlebutt as it made, you know, dropped the, the carpool members across the site. So quite, quite the discussion topic at the dinner table. But that was a one and done trip. After that, I think the Jeep came back. But yeah, it was scandalous. You know, a uh, hot pink Cadillac at work. I'll bet it took them uh, a little bit to um, uh, live it down. Live it down is the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Yeah, I bet it took a while to live it down. All I know, I think it was a one and done trip. So it was it was back to the, the gray, silver and the boring Savannah Riverside commute. So, yeah, that those were some, you know, some fun memories you always uh, remember. But a lot of those carpool uh, members stayed together, you know, until retirement. And, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of culture there, a lot of a lot of good times there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, these are these are great stories. Um, thanks for your time today and and for sharing your expertise, Susie. Well, it was really my pleasure. It. It's my pleasure, and I just wish everyone at the National Lab a happy anniversary. And you know, it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to work with so many people. And and uh, you know, that's what makes it great out here is you you work with some brilliant people that you know you'll never ever in another career path ever do. So thanks for having me. Well, we're going to have you back, I hope. Uh, so okay. uh, you, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be doing that. And thanks to all of you for listening. Science at Work is a production of the Savannah River National Laboratory.